When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb. I'm Rich Levine. Mike Pita is still on sabbatical, kicking ass over at GQ, so check him out over there. Over here, the seeding round is over. Celtics finished five and three to lock up the three seed. Today, we'll take a quick look back at the last eight games, break down Boston's first round matchup with the Sixers. But first, as always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you listen. Give us a follow on Twitter. That is at WinningPlaysPod. Shout out to CLNS Media. Shout out to BetOnline.ag. Uh, B-Rob, speaking of, of BetOnline.ag, so before this started, we went through some of like the, uh, the over-unders that were available online for your, for your gambling pleasure. And they had set the over-under at 5.5 for Celtics wins during this seeding round. Can you imagine? And I don't know if you ended up putting, putting money on that. I, I did not. Know, the I knew better. The <laughs> Celtics pretty much played as well as you could. I mean, obviously, the first game was tough. The, the other loss was tough. They played as well as you could imagine in the bubble. You pick the over. You, you, it's all coming down to this. One game on a, on a noon start on a Thursday. No one's playing. And, and you know, the outcome was what, what we kind of expected. But that's why, that's, that's why I say don't gamble. <laughs> Well, it's just but, uh, don't 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 gamble on the ones that don't matter, that or could not matter. And this was uh, the end of the NBA schedule is is dangerous terrain um, when you're dealing with possibilities of teams getting locked in the seeds, and that pretty much happened across the board. It's kind of nuts that we're entering the last two days of games, and every single seed is set except for you know number eight out west. Um, but yeah, the the, the the Celtics, yeah, poor Suns. Or we'll see about tonight. We're recording this uh, early Thursday evening. Uh, the Blazers will be in action in a couple hours, and the Suns' uh, playoff life uh, depends on it. So it's it's a fun story that that couldn't work out much better. The whole playing situation there, but um, yeah, the the level of basketball the last couple of days not great with everyone uh, getting rest across the league uh, among playoff teams. So I, I think over was the right pick. By the way, I mean you don't. It's it's process over results is is what I think. I think the over considering the way you, you the picked the you picked played, the over correct. Did I? Uh, maybe I, I, <laughs> I, I, I forget. I, no, I, if if it was under, I, I took the under. I'm pretty sure. Um, but what we did do before this before the uh, the seating game started, we did ten over under predictions. And real quick, I think we should go over and see how we did on those, and we can use that to sort of review kind of what happened these last eight games because like it. you know. The, the details will, will soon not mean much, but uh, for now, they're, they're, they're very hot. So, okay, the first one was over under on 20-point scores just for the eight games. I did two and a half because I had the three during the regular season. Right. Uh, I think we both picked the under there. So Tatum averaged 22.4 in these seven games, uh, and that's with a five-point outing, right, in the opener. Take that stinker out, uh, he averaged 25.3 in the six games after Milwaukee. Um, but after that, I mean, we're not, we can't really complain too much about what Jalen and Gordon did, but Jalen finishes with 19.6, 
uh, thanks to seven points in his last game against the Grizzlies. And uh, Gordon averaged 18.7, still pretty good. Uh, but so they only had one 20 point score, but overall hard to complain with what those three guys did. No, they all had their standout moments and there was, I mean, we'll get to this later, but they got a lot more support from the bench than anticipated. So they would easily hit 20. I feel like for three of them, if, there were some close games, but it ended up being three or four blowouts in the C's favor, which got the starters some extra rest and got the the second unit uh, some extra points instead. So, um, yeah, that was a good bet. And did you – I don't know if you saw this. Sean Grandy uh, tweeted this today. Celtics became the first team in the East Conference since 1984 to have three 20-point scorers for the season. Oh, okay. uh, if you put out over the whole season. Because we're whole season. Kemba, Kemba exactly. and, and Tatum. That's pretty nuts. Hey, I mean, when, when you have that and, th- and then you still have Gordon Hayward, <laughs> right? <laughs> when, you, when, he's, when he's number four in that list. Yeah, I mean, and we're going to talk about it as the, as the playoffs hopefully uh, keep moving forward. But I think there's many reasons to be excited. Um, and two sort of subcategories of that, of that over-under 20-point scores on our over-unders was uh, we had the f- f- uh, foul shot attempt a game for Jason Tatum. Over-under was five. I think he finished at 4.8 uh a game so just barely under there but still uh what we wanted to see him be able to get to the line because that's you know, all all the score all the leading scorers out there you know they're going to get a significant amount of their points and you need it when you're out there and there's so much so when you're carrying such a load you need some easy foul shots every once in a while tatum is getting there he still needs to do it a little bit more but uh 4.8 is pretty close his uh he's just been tremendous since that bucks game in terms of the game-changing plays down the stretch, you know, kind of bailing them out against the Blazers and against the Magic, uh, rallying them from down five in that game. And he's hitting the threes. He's getting to the line. He said he, he still has some work to do in the paint, you know, getting that at number even higher. But five is a fine number for him there. Like, if he can do that yeah. during the post, if he can sustain that, because um, when he has the outside shot going, it's it's going to be really pick your poison for opponents there. So, um no worries about all that extra golf he's getting in down there. Like, good. <laughs> keep, keep, keep playing. Like, keep getting those, enjoy those off days because uh, it's clearly uh, keeping his mind and, and basketball itself in a, in a good, uh, good space. Yeah. And we, and we can probably uh, substitute uh, gaming for, for golf for this next part because we had <laughs> Gordon Hayward uh, field goal attempts per game at 14, finished under a 13.3. But, you know, whatever he's doing, he's, he's doing all right. You know, we're right around 14th. And again, like it, it's such a small sample size. So it's, it's tough to really, you know, make any grand statements about these numbers, but, you know, right around 14, a game had a few, uh, you know, I think he had like an 18 point, an 18 shot game as well, but um, he's, he's, he's finding his spots, you know, he's taking his spots uh, and he's setting up his teammates for spots. I think he's Gordon's really doing everything that, that you'd hope right now. Would you put more weight into these numbers or the pre-hiatus numbers in general? Because I kind of lean towards, I know it's only seven games here. I kind of lean towards these numbers in terms of, it's a limited sample size, but it's also like, I feel like looking at last year, you know, March numbers is like looking at the previous season in terms mm-hmm. of how would they really apply or not. Granted, this is, it's a, you can't, you know, you're not gonna make any grand projections based off of seven or eight games. It's not nearly enough, but I think it tells you more about where these guys are right now than how they played, you know, November through March. 
Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I think, you know, probably most folks in Boston uh, and probably NBA fans in general outside of LA are really hoping for a Portland Lakers first round series because that's what you're talking about. That's where like, you'll throw the seating out the window there. Uh, this, this, the, the Lakers aren't really playing like a one seed, but the Blazers certainly aren't playing like a, like an eight seed, but yeah, no, I'm with you. And I think that like, cause, because of all the factors, you got, how are these guys playing without fans? How are these guys playing in general? Like given the insane scenario that they, that they've entered and Gordon seems to be one of those guys that certainly feeling good, but also is in a really good headspace. And I don't think there's any reason to, to assume, uh, I, I think that we got to live in the now, you know, with Gordon, right. Like this is this no, is the no guy question. who the Celtics have right now. Forget, even though he did have one of his best games of the year in the last game against Indiana, um, but the last game before the before the break. Um, but yeah, no, he's got it going on right now. Uh, the next one we had, and this is one we can all celebrate. It was the over under on Celtics to test positive for COVID, mm. and the uh, during the seeding round, the the over under was was point five. We both took the under, and not only as should have made have the no NBA over under. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, all, all we can say is, and I think Adam Silver said it today too, that this is going better than that even they imagined. Uh, and I told you, I was one of the biggest detractors. I, I didn't think they were going to be able to pull it off, but clearly uh, they're doing a few things right. Zero positive tests so far. It's still early. And they're the opening, outside, opening the gates a little bit. They're opening right? the gates a little bit when families come in, which they clearly should do because it's, I mean, did you see? Did you see that Suns? What the Suns did uh, earlier this week in terms of families and their they had their families of the players announced the starting lineup videos. You know, oh really? Um, they did a whole video of that with each. You know, whether it's wife, uh, parents, uh, kids, etc. Did each player um, in the video? Uh, Jason that was Tatum great. Tweeted that, retweeted it, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no, that, that. that's cool. I can't imagine. Like you know, I know Deuce, you know Deuce and Tatum are like the. You know, they, they get a lot of the attention, but it's, it's right. I mean, because what is he? Two, is he two years old? Or am I just yes, saying that? Cause, cause nope, the, I think he's two. Yeah, I mean, God, that that is so hard. I mean, and and maybe he can see his dad on TV, right? So there's sort of that connection. And obviously, they can FaceTime, but like, you just don't see your kid for six weeks. You know, it's, I mean, granted, it hasn't been that long. But um, anyways, I'm glad the families are, are, are joining. But like we said, I don't know if that is going to lead to a little bit of mayhem when it comes to those positive tests. Um, over under on Kemba games played. So basically we said we knew he wasn't going to play Washington. We knew he wasn't going to play the Nets. Was he going to play in the six other games over under five and a half? I think we both took the under, right? I think. And he, he played six. He averaged almost exactly 25 minutes a game. You know, I'll give you the quick breakdowns of the, the six games he played 19 minutes, 22 minutes, 26 minutes, 23 minutes, 32 minutes and 28 minutes. Uh, Got to be feeling pretty good if you're Kemba, if you're the Celtics. Yeah, the not only are the minutes looking good there, the fact that he only had one real stinker in those six games I think is important because while we've seen, you know, the physical component with him and the knee and how well he's moving, looks pretty good from the start in all these scrimmages. But when you're heading into the postseason so quickly, you can't really just be trying to figure it out on the fly um, as with your conditioning. You need to be able to, to help right away and granted he doesn't have to be a 25 point scorer for this team anymore it works out pretty well on that front but he's hitting threes and he's being efficient so when you put those two things together uh, he's he's probably going to be the third option for this team most games in the postseason and that's that's perfectly fine that's all they might need him to be uh, by the way i was going to say four yeah 
I mean, you know, if, I, the way it's, you know, uh, these games have gone, it, it should be four. And it, listen, he's, he's going to have his games when he's Kemba. You know, he, there might be one or two or three games over the course of this run, no matter, you know, regardless of, or depending on, on how long it goes for. But uh, there will be games where, where I think Kemba is Kemba and, and takes over. But I think for the most part, he is kind of the fourth option. And, and I don't even really think that's how the Celtics operate, you know, but I just think when it comes to looks, when it comes to uh, just just volume, I think that 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 Kem was gonna gonna drop below Gordon, and I, I'm I'm okay with that. It the the Sixers matchup might change things on that front since he can really eat up th- their bigs in the pick and roll if they drop back because that's his bread and butter, the pull up three, um, if it's falling obviously, but it is where you look at who's been the best at getting to the hoop right now, like Hayward, Brown, Tatum, those guys are ahead of Kemba on that front. Kemba is still trying to get all the way back and, you know, he'll have another week here to try to get there. Um, But that might not happen until the second round or something like that. Okay. Over under on Marcus Smart, three point attempts. And basically, I think I said, I think I said the over under on that of 50, Um, but it came to like uh, basically like seven a game is what he would have had to average over seven games. Right. Uh, w- way under. Way under. Four three, a game. I, 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 3.85 a game, 27 attempts in, uh, in seven games. Uh, nine of 27, 33%. I, you know, maybe you want to see a little bit more, but he's not shooting them out of situations. No. This is, if you're Brad Stevens and the coaching staff, this is great news. When you, have, when you see how well everyone else is playing in your core, Marcus Smart should not be taking more than eight or nine shots a game. And he took seven a game in this. And he actually shot better from three-point range than two-point range, Rich. That is something that's a little bit concerning since that's uh, – He's a specialist now. He's a specialist now. And so – but when he's only taking three shots inside there per game, that's fine. You can, you can shoot poorly on two or three of those a game as long as you're not taking six or seven of the ill-advised floaters or just um, questionable post-ups. But – yeah, this is smart. Got to be himself in this bubble, kind of falling back into the six-man defense first mode. And it's it was a big boost for the Celtics offense, which I think is second among the 22 bubble teams uh, down there. So, Yeah, and, and it's crazy because you look – you look at that, that, that Portland game, right? Played 33 minutes against Portland, only three points. Right. Played, you know, 24 minutes against Toronto, only two points. Uh, but he's still, you still need him out there. You still want him oh, yeah. out there. So he's, no. fine. He, you know, he great, you know, one of eight against Toronto wasn't a great game. But like, you know, he, 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 even when the shot isn't going, obviously that's Marcus Smart, right? He's Mr. Winning Plays. But it's just good to see him doing it. And as, as this becomes real again. His passing has been really good as well in the bubble with, uh, especially with uh, Rob Williams. Like they, yeah, those I mean, guys he, have quickly, I mean, we can, you don't know if we're going to talk about him now or later, but um, they well, let's talk about him because I'm going to. Yeah, I was going to say that over that our next one was over under and his canter minutes, mm. uh, seventeen and a half is what I what I had thrown out there because that was his regular season season average. He is uh, considerably under that. I mean, a lot of that is due to his his zero <laughs> against the Raptors, <laughs> but uh, that a lot of that is because, like you said, because you know Robert Williams, whether he's with uh, Marcus Smart or just on his own planet. He's getting it done, and 
I think he's going to, and again, it depends. I think, like we said, Ennis probably matches up a little bit better uh, against Philly. You know, certainly when Embiid's out there to, to start. But uh, Time Lord has earned himself some playoff minutes. Where, who is going to play more in this Sixer series when it's all said and done out of him and, and Cantor, Time Lord and Cantor? Because Cantor should get the first crack just based on the strength and how he's played them all year. But I would say Time Lord's been the best center period, even over Tice in the bubble. Clearly different minutes and different, um, you know, skill sets involved there that uh, Williams would have been more exposed if he got that playing extra playing time. But all things considered, Williams right now has kind of changed the, the dynamics of the, the South expansion and has, is going to make Stevens have some not tough decisions, but good tough decisions in terms of who he wants to go with on a particular night or situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Tice, you know, we agree probably fits better with the starters. Uh, oh, yeah. regardless of like of, of who is the best center you know, he obviously he spreads it out a little better and all that but um yeah i mean what can you say like things just happen when rob williams is out there and, and not just it's not random he makes things happen he affects the game in ways that no one else on the team can like no one can 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 change can change shots like he can you know no one rebounds like he can um and and you just need it and again we've said this too they don't need it they're not going to need it every night and to answer your question who's going to play more uh, Cantor or, or, or NS. I, I think it really might, uh, depend a lot on game one and game two. Cause I, you know, I, I think that I don't, like, and you've said it before too. I don't necessarily think, uh, Brad's going to have the longest leash with Rob. Mm-hmm. Right. He's, but if he goes out there and gets his first opportunity in game one of the playoffs and is the same guy that we've seen, I, the, the Brad has no choice, but to keep rolling with him. Yeah. Cause I guess the good thing with Cantor is he's played pretty well too. He hasn't played great. But he's shooting like 60% from the field. He's grabbing five rebounds per game and while only being on the floor for 12 minutes a game. So that's, he's gobbling him up, destroying the offensive glass against most teams. His defense is what it is, but it's, you know, he obviously doesn't present the upside that Williams does. Now his floor is probably a lot higher than Rob Williams too, especially in a playoff situation. So um, Cantor has the inside track yeah. for a Philly, but I think any other opponent – um, if you're just, you know, like the Raptors, for instance, I think, you know, time, that might be a, a time Lord series. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, coming into the bubble, like you thought maybe, you know, the Celtics have one center, one reliable center option in Tice. But like you said, I mean, maybe it's closer to three now. And, and that's not to say for, for sure, but at that position, you know, that part of the game, which is, which was really was a weakness for this team. Uh, I wouldn't call it a strength yet, but it's, it's not quite as glaring a weakness as it was eight games ago. No question. Um, do you have – is yeah. Romeo Langford our next one here? I think that's one of my uh, that, favorite ones. Yeah, he's going to be next. So that was uh, Romeo Langford non-garbage time appearances. So today – oh, he got hurt today. And he, what's, the, what's the update on that, by the way? I know he left uh, with, with a wrist injury. Yes, yeah, no, no update on that. Um, we'll find out more when they start practicing over the weekend. But he played through it for, I think, a few minutes for sure. Um, he kind of okay. came fell on it. So I would, I would assume that – he is going to be good to go after a few days of rest. Um, but to be honest, I don't think he's going to be factoring in too much of the Sixers series anyway, um, just based on how things looked the last few games. Yeah, that's fair. And so what, what, are we, what are we giving him for 
for nine garbage appearance? Because obviously the Brooklyn and, and Washington, we're not counting those. I think Brooklyn, Brooklyn counts because he played good minutes in that game before uh, it turned into a blowout. So okay, I wouldn't count the more one. garbage time. I, I was saying like for us a garbage team. Right. Know. Yeah. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he played. He played three minutes against Miami. Uh, almost ten minutes against Toronto. Only. Only uh, two minutes against uh, against Memphis. So it's he didn't, the under. You know, and we, right, it was the under. We were hoping that maybe one of either him or, or Shemi would break out a little bit. I think it's fair to say neither of them did. Um, and this and this works with our with our next one, uh, which was yours. Your over under over under on the three point shooting percentage for the Celtics non core. Uh, and basically, we said Tice, Shemi, uh, Grant. Uh, did I miss anyone there? I guess Wanamaker too. Yeah, Wanamaker uh, thirty. 35% was the number. I think they pretty much went over. I mean, Tice is 6 of 15, which is 40%. Uh, you know, Shemi, I think, finished maybe 12 of 29. I know he put up a, put up a bunch today. But I think, uh, you know, the, the non-core has, has shot all right. They, they've been tremendous, to be honest. Outside, I mean, Ojale, less so. But Wanamaker and Rob Williams have been two of the best players for the Celtics during these eight games in the bubble, just straight up with Wanamaker. I think he's leading the team in true shooting with like 71%. Uh, Rob Williams has barely missed. He's 22 of 26 from the field down there. Granted, most of those are dunks at the rim, but he has hit a couple jump shots too, which I'm not sure if the coaching staff is crazy that he's taking those jump shots to begin with, but that's another story. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is they Wanamaker was kind of up and down during the year, but this is the best version of, of Wanamaker and you, and he doesn't have to initiate the offense now on the second unit. He like smart is the primary ball handler there now. So he's just there to hit threes and, you know, provide that secondary creation on like the swing and stuff, which he's really good at. And so with him hitting enough threes and Ojale hitting a respectable number of threes, I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if, Brad Stevens just goes eight deep into his bench anyway um, sure. against Philly. And especially since Ojale is not really going to be needed for Ben Simmons um, in this series. So, um, but Wanamaker has really solidified himself as, I mean, we'll see if again, what he looks like in the playoffs is going to be a different question, but uh, you couldn't ask him to look much better in Orlando. Finished the year as an official. Is he the leading foul shooter in, in the NBA this year? I believe so. I don't think he missed one today. So I think he holds the, uh, he holds fantastic. The fantastic. Um, all right. So here's, here's number 10, the last of the overrunners we did to, uh, to Mr. Extension. We congratulate Brad Stevens on his, his mystery extension, but that's very exciting that, 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 that both sides worked that out. We had the overrunner on Brad Steven technicals during the, their seating round at 0.5. And uh, despite, you know, in those first two games, opportunities certainly to to lose it a little bit, maybe pick up a tee. Brad Stevens makes it out tealess. Disappointing. Was hoping for a little. I don't know. If, did anyone on the Celtics get a technical foul? Tatum got one for talking to himself at one point. Didn't That's he? right. Yeah, that was. I remember that now. <laughs> but yeah, they were it was pretty well behaved by everyone down there. Um, I I thought it was going to be more trouble with a quiet gym but it seems like they're pumping in a lot of crowd noise down there now which is maybe helping ease the uh complaints to the officials that come but yeah it'd be interesting to look at the general like the big picture like uh, technicals in general are they going down probably assume so right i would think so 
But then again, things were going pretty well for the Celtics in these games after the first couple. So that is not true. too much to get upset about if you're anyone on this team right now. Um, all right. Well, listen, uh, sports keep coming back. B-Rob, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball has started in this summer and is in full swing. There's no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Uh, and as sports start to return, return BetOnline has sat down with Eddie George from the NFL, Robert Ory, seven-time NBA champ, and Harold Reynolds from Major League Baseball to get their opinions on what it'll be like playing without fans and what they have called the fandemic. Uh, visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take full advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Uh, and I'm still waiting for them to post a, a series price on the on the Celtics and Sixers. I think they're probably waiting for everything to become official, even though the East already is, um, before they throw those up there. But what is your guess? It, like, on what they're going to have it as? Yes. I mean, I think this, so let me say right off the top, I'm a little bit nervous at how confident everyone seems to be about the Celtics and the Sixers. I mean, I'm not, that's not to say that the Celtics are, I mean, it's easier for us to talk out, uh, you know, way outside the bubble. I imagine that they understand that the challenge that's in front of them and, and Brad and everyone can help them stay focused, but just generally speaking, uh, so it's, I'm getting a little nervous at how, how, how much everyone's just so sure the Celtics are going to win. So that being said, I'm going to say that like, I think that'll be like 260 to maybe 250. I, I, my, my gut was like 295. Yeah. So basically, basically three to one uh, for the, for, for the Sixers to win. Do you think it's about the same? Yeah. I was going to guess around like minus 300. Um, it's, it's hard to just to find uh, MB is just going to have to reach a different level for their Philly to win this series. In my mind with Ben Simmons out since they're going to have to win by spreading the floor around him and getting the Celtics to have to either choose between double teams and leading or leaving open three point shooters. And Brad Stevens actually mentioned after today's game, when talking about Philly that they have one of the best offensive ratings in the league when Ben Simmons is off the floor, which is somewhat surprising, but they do have a lot of three point shooters, not great ones, but uh, they can, you know, Shake Milton, Korkmaz, Alec Burks is shooting like 40% from three. Mike Scott um, has killed the Celtics in other playoff series before with his long-range shooting. And, um, and, four, and four, four games in an empty gym. That's all they got to do. Right, exactly. You know? so, so the Celtics are going to have to be really disciplined with how they guard those guys and trying to take away those looks because um, if Embiid really gets it going, then that's going to put them in a bind. But if not, then you let Embiid get his 30 points, but do it inefficiently and keep the open shots away from these guys. And hopefully that's going to be enough. Yeah, I think, I think like you said, I mean, if, if Embiid turns into like 94, 95 Hakeem, like that's essentially what he's got to become. He's going to become that guy who put the Rockets on his back for those, for those two titles. And I just don't, just given everything that's going on around him, given the circumstances, I just don't, think that he's got it you know I, I mentally or physically i'm not sure that that he has it in him to to put the team on his back like that um and i think and, and it's interesting what you said about ben simmons and their rating when he's off the, the floor you know obviously i think they're going to miss him more defensively oh, yeah. especially against the celtics because you know at, at this point 
who's out is Al Horford guarding Gordon Tatum or, or Jalen? Is that how this breaks down? It's going to have to be one of those because if they're going to start <laughs> the double pigs, so that is, I mean, good luck Al staying out there in the perimeter. Um, and like maybe they put Al on Kemba or something. I, I, I have no idea. I mean, that it's as not going to be pretty, whatever they do on that front. Um, so it sounds like they're, they're, they're pretty committed to the double big at this point, which just seems like the wrong choice against the Celtics. Um, but it sounds like they're going to do it. It's just, but it's like, how do you do that? How do you sign Al Horford to that contract and, <laughs> and miss your one all-star and not put him back in the starting lineup? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? In, in the playoffs. Right. And, and again, you're right. It might be the right move, but I you know, I think, uh, the, these, the Sixers are, you know, are a lot about appearances, you know, their organization that, you know, obviously, you know, Hinky was a guy who trust the process who did what, what he thought was right, regardless of how it looked. And it seems, you know, nowadays the Sixers are more interested in, in, in what's right. Uh, what looks right. Um, and I, like you said, that makes, in that sense, it makes sense to, to, to try Horford out there, but you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking of, cause is, who's going to be, who's going to start for Philly is shake Milton. Yeah. Shake Milton is there. Yeah. He's, he's locked in as their de facto point guard slash. And then, then Richardson, Tobias Horford and Embiid. Right. Right. So Richardson is traditionally has been on Kemba. And actually did a really good job, if I remember correctly, in the opener of just um, contesting his those long threes well around the screens, you know, when, when Kemba pulls up off the pick and roll there. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be all sorts. I mean, Harris is an okay defender, but he doesn't have the speed really to stick with Brown or Tatum when they have it going from the perimeter and the inside. Um, and so, yeah, like, and then we know what an Embiid situation is. Um, so if Tice does get can hit a shot or two from three point range as well, that's going to be a problem for them. So <laughs> it's it could get ugly defensively for them quickly. And they have Flyball coming off the bench, but he's going to he's going to he's going to play a big role if if they do anything right. He, he's yes. and he and he kind of scares me a little bit because that that kid can play defense. He's and he seems to be kind of like a Raja Bell kind of dude who's kind of built for the playoffs and built for that, for that intensity. Um, but, but he's, you know, you, you're not really counting on him for, certainly for offense and he, into at some point he becomes a liability, you know, if he doesn't have enough uh, firepower around him. Yeah. It's kind of, I would compare it to like Grant Williams and the Celtics in terms of. I think, he's, I great- think they're good. But they're gonna, they're gonna. He's gonna play more than Grant, I oh, yeah, think, he's, right? He's he's one hundred percent gonna play more. But like, it, it's a situation where his offensive limitations are gonna become a lot more glaring when he's out there in a high leverage situation like this. And the Celtics are at a point where Grant, where they don't need to play him for that reason in this series. I mean, he'll they might call on him if they want. You know, if they start playing Al Horford at the five and. They want to settle things down defensively if Williams, Rob Williams and Cantor can't really, you know, keep it together with the perimeter defenders. But um, otherwise, the Celtics aren't going to need him in this series, whereas I think the Sixers are desperately going to need Tybalt to step up and to step up in a big way um, on the defensive end to to contain a really high-powered Celtics offense now. Yeah, and I'm just just looking – at Embiid's game logs right now, it's like how like like how many minutes? Obviously, he's missed uh, a bunch of time, but like in the games where he's actually playing, 
so he's, he's, he played 34. He played, he played 37 in the game against Orlando. So he is out there because that's the thing now too to think about is that, you know, when Embiid's when Embi- not on the floor, you know, that's a lot of time where they don't have much of anything. Uh, and maybe that's defensively that's or just on both. Or, or just, just in general. I just think, yeah. you know, that's where it's where you're going to be leaning on Al Horford or, and I guess Tobias Harris can, can carry an offense in, in spurts. But, uh, you know, it's just like the, their depth. And that's always been an issue, right? Even when they were at full, full strength, we, we talked about their depth as being a big uh, potential Achilles heel for the, for, the, for the Sixers. But, you know, now more than ever, it's just, it's, it's, again, now you don't want to take anything for granted. They're still a solid team. But with the way the Celtics are playing, with just the, their mentality and the rhythm that they're in and, you know, knock on wood, their, their health right now, uh, I mean, we, we talked about Kemba a little bit, but man, I can't, I could not have imagined feeling as good about Kemba's knee as, as I do right now, you know, when, when this all started, it just really thinks that it feels like this is going to be Boston's series to, they, they I, you know, I think they really should make a statement here, especially with Toronto up next. And again, Toronto could be done in four games pretty, pretty easily with the, with the nets on tap. No question. And you hope if from a Celtics perspective, you jump on the Sixers early in the series and you give them a reason to throw in the towel quickly. Kind of like the Celtics did last year against the Bucks when adversity struck <laughs> in that second round. Starring uh, Joel Embiid as Kyrie Irving. I mean... Starring Al Horford as Al Sorry. Horford. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it's, it's a situation now where these guys, if things go, you know, they are the Celtics of last year in terms of what they look like in the regular season of the roller coaster ride, the, the huge expectations that they can't live up to. And now a critical injury again at the worst possible time. So by the way, uh, I, I know I told you last episode that I don't like taking victory laps, but go back to this time last year. Mm-hmm. I said that that was my take on Philly that yeah. they were this year's, but that Al Horford actually went by going to Philly, just put himself in the same position that, that he had been in the year before. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just it it feels right for the for like all the stars of a line for the Celtics to to kick some ass. I believe. <laughs> what do you think? You think like one like if they come out in game one and just lay it on them, is that enough for Embiid to 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 quit? No, I think you need two. Yeah. I think you need to you you get up two zero and then you can start talking about that um, just based off of how they're handling him. Um, so the Celtics won by twenty or more in game one. Joel Embiid will be ejected in game two. That's, that's a prediction. <laughs> they put that on the board. You get pretty good odds on that probably. Um, all right. So we've been talking about this a lot here. What, what worries you about Philly though? What, this is not the Nets. This is not the magic. Even without Ben Simmons. I mean, we talked about the three point shooting, which is everywhere um, beyond Embiid who, who is apparently shooting only 9% from three point range. In the did, you say, did you say nine percent? Nine. That's just nine nine percent <laughs> while taking two. I mean, he's only taken um twelve shots, but I think he's like one of twelve or one of eleven um down there. So the season will be inviting that. Um one guy that kinda doesn't scare me a ton, but he's had some success against the Celtics this year that I think will be factoring into the series a lot off the bench. Alec Burks, um, who some people wanted the Celtics to trade for at the deadline. Uh Warriors napped him for uh, a couple second round picks along with Glenn Robinson, June, uh, the third. He's he's a he's having a career year. He's doesn't really do the defend well at all, but he can 
you know, he's a creator off the bench. And the Celtics, I know when he was on Golden State, he had a big game against him too out there, out west. So it's going to be, I mean, Smart, Wanamaker, uh, Jalen Brown, they have to be pretty locked in on guys like this to make sure they don't have get momentum going in, in the what should be a pretty wide open Sixers offense once they spread the floor around Embiid. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and Burke's problem is that he's just never been able to stay healthy wherever yeah. he goes. He's kind of like TJ Warren. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess someone's, someone's going to have to put up the shots on this team. Someone's going to score. I wouldn't be surprised if Burks get, gets his. But, you know, he's kind of like a – runs like a Jordan Clarkson kind of guy where, you know, he's, he's not going to shine defensively very much. Yeah. Maybe take as many bad shots as he does good shots if he, if he gets going. But, um, yeah, I think, I think the fact that, that we're talking about Alec Burks as being like one of the biggest things we're scared of right now of, of the Sixers is, is a very good sign. But, I mean, Korkmaz is a guy, if he gets he's – a, he's a dude for a couple games and go unconscious, right? Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he, can, he, can, shoot the, he can shoot the lights out. Um, you know, maybe Tobias Harris turns into Chris Milton for a couple games. Like that's maybe a best-case scenario for them there. Uh, I, I'm not – and maybe this is just all sorts of emotional baggage, but like, I'm just not worried about Al Horford hurting the Celtics for some reason. You don't think he has that gear he's been saving for the playoffs here? <laughs> I just like, can you imagine Al Horford and uh, Rob Williams going up for the same rebound? Can you imagine them battling? You know what I mean? Like, and I know Al is you know, not going to want much to do with that. General, I, you talk about the, the two stages of, of a career. you know or Jalen and Al or any of these guys and Al it just seems that he's you know step step slower uh weaker uh and just not necessarily as invested you know as as he had been before so he's one guy and and maybe I'll just come back to bite me but I I just don't I don't worry about how again Al is much better on a great team right He's, he's he's the ingredient that can make a really good team and turn it great but the Sixers aren't a really good team anymore. They're they're an okay team, and and in that scenario, Al Horford's not as effective as as he can be. I watched a little bit of film of them without Simmons in Orlando. They're actually playing throughout a lot again at the elbows, and so I think they're he still has a little bit of that in him in terms of being able to initiate. He can turn around and hit that mid range jumper clearly, and his facilitating skills are still there. Um, again, that's going to, the Celtics know that, and they should know how to defend that inside out, whether, you know, botting MB down low and trying to, how much hope they give him down there is one thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Horford, I agree with you based on, he has not shown the ability to be a game changer in a playoff series pretty much at all this year, even when he's played well, it's still, it's still slow, methodical, and a kind of a pretty big jump off from where he was the Celtics only a couple years ago um yeah and, and if he gets his minutes I think he's still good for like a 14 and 7 maybe you know 14 right. 7 4 like he'll put he'll put up numbers but just over the course of a you know of a seven game series and when it comes certainly when it comes down to crunch time uh yeah I just give me Jalen give me Hayward give me uh Tatum you know every time so if you were ranking the top 10 players in this series um you know, Embiid, we'll put Embiid at one, maybe Fair. two if you want to, you know, put Tatum up there, but we're not going to go there. How many, 
Who's next? How many Celtics do you take before you get to another Sixer? Probably four. Right. Probably take Tatum, Jalen, Hayward, and uh, and Kemba, and then I guess you go you go Tobias, mm-hmm. and and then I, I I don't know. I mean, would you rather have Marcus Smart or Tobias Harris? I'd probably take Harris, <laughs> but yeah. it's it's it Marcus Smart or Al Horford depends on what your team needs. Yeah, so I mean, you have then you then it, does it go Harris, Richardson, and Horford over Smart? I mean, that's when you kind of break it down that way. That's why the Celtics probably feel pretty good about where they're at. When yeah, when you have four that. of the best five players in a in a series, and, and where I think the, the the one the one that you don't have in that top five is certainly the most combustible in the top five. You know, he's the biggest wild card, the the one most likely to 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 lay an egg if it comes down to it. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I think you feel pretty good. And, and, and then in, in the event that, you know, we'll see what happens with, with, uh, with Embiid, but I mean, you know, Norville Pell and Kyle O'Quinn, O'Quinn almost had a triple double. You know, they had a lot, they got a, got a, some minutes when, when Embiid was resting the last couple of games, but that doesn't worry you at all. Um, yeah. So no, I think, I think that's a good way to look at it. Five, four of the top five players, most well, likely. And you have to, to be fair, like, Harris and Richardson are capable of being that top five, like playing into that top five in the series. Um, like yeah. over Kemba, def- I could definitely see that. And, you know, I think Hayward is probably the next biggest question mark for the Celtics in terms of how he looks in the postseason, how well it's going to translate. Um, he did have some nice moments against the Pacers last year, but he also was uh, just as rough against the Bucks. So, He's in a far better place than he was last year, um, but he's, he clearly still has some question marks and doesn't have the track record that um, Jalen and Tatum have had against Philly and in the playoffs in general. Yeah, I'm looking at Josh Rich, and and we're and we're most likely, depending on how the how the the schedule goes, we might fit in one uh, one more preview for for this series. So this might not be the whole thing, but just looking right now, Richardson is getting some minutes in the bubble. I mean, he's playing, you know, 30, 33, 35, 34, 38. So yeah, they've, be... they've been relying on him a bunch. He's been shooting. He, had, he shot 20, he had 20 uh, against Portland. It was 13 to 20. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's big he, on the offensive end right now. He can when I mean, that's probably your biggest, I mean, he's, his shooting is up and down over the course of his career, but when he gets it going in games, he's really tough to defend because he can beat you off the dribble as well. And I want to say it was that last game in Philly, the Celtics played, I want to say back in January or February, that he he was just lights out all game long, and the Celtics, even smart, can really have an answer for it. Since, you know, the Celtics do have issues with those these guards that can do it all and, you know, score 30, 35 points in a blink of an eye sometimes it seems when – uh, they have the the quickness to get past smart and also you know you can't uh back off on them because they'll hit a three in your face too yeah and i think you know richardson and and matisse are both very solid perimeter defenders right now but you know they're both listed at six five you know maybe that's a little a little short to be dealing with with what the celtics wings are going to throw at you you know maybe that's where you know jalen's post-up game or or uh, or Tatum's bag is going to come into come into play a little bit more. I mean, you hate for them to 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 start going one on one, right? You want to keep the ball movement, but you know we'll see. We'll see. I think obviously the Celtics will be ready to react to whatever 
whatever they face from these guys. Because at the very least, like you've made clear, like the Celtics are the more talented team. They're the deeper team. They're the better team. They have better players. Like this is their series to win. Well, if Simmons was playing in this series, what would have been your prediction? I still like the Celtics. Um, but, you know, maybe if maybe if the Celtics are, are minus two, if I'm saying the Celtics will be like minus 290 now, maybe it'd be like minus 180. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe 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 a whole a full a full game, right? Um, I mean, right now, I, I think, like I said, like I don't think you could be shocked if five games. I mean, maybe even a sweep is in the cards. Whereas if 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 Simmons was around, I think it's going to at least six or seven. Yeah, I I would have said definitely six for Simmons, but I'm actually going to say, and for an early prediction, for, I'm going to say Celtics and six for the series as it is. I. I just think that Embiid is going to take over one game and the threes are going to fall from everywhere in another game. And the Celtics aren't going to be able to, to match that. And um, in a couple of those, but I think they'll be able to shut down one. I think if you shut down one of those departments against the Sixers, you're probably in good shape, good enough shape most nights. Um, But I think they're going to sell this. are going to win this series with more offense than defense, which is going to be kind of a change of pace from how they've operated in, in postseasons in recent years. Yeah. I'd be wondering, it'd be interesting to see if this, the, because it's been crazy in the bubble offensively and at the points the teams are putting up and obviously the playoffs are at the time where, where that always changes, but maybe this year in the bubble see I'm interested to see how much the game slows down or, if, you know, yeah. when people talk about playoff basketball, how, how much this year's playoff basketball will be reminiscent uh, of what we're used to. It'll be interesting. I mean, we might not get a, get a full grasp of it until like the second round where you're, I mean, certainly in the Western conference, fine, but like, you know, Toronto, Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee, Orlando, it's going to be hard to really learn much about the Raptors and the Bucks, but out West, you think Kawhi, I think Pina tweeted about this the other day. Uh, Kawhi's got Luca in, in the Mavs now with the Clippers. Meanwhile, the Raptors are, Facing uh, <laughs> Karis Levert and the, and the Nets in the first round. It's uh, it's a tough. So I do think that we are going to see a surprise upset in the Western Conference. I don't know who it is, but just based on the bubble dynamics, I think we're going to see some surprise underdog um, out of the six, seven, eight uh, surprise. One of those top three teams. And, oh, for sure. I mean, like, I mean, you got, you got Houston without without Westbrook for at least a few games and, and OKC has been playing really well, you know, uh, clearly Portland, if Portland gets there against the Lakers, I mean, the Mavs against Clippers, again, I, I don't, it's crazy. It's, it's hard to even call those. They wouldn't even necessarily feel like upsets right now. I mean, granted the seedings are the seedings and you know, the, the old regular season was the old regular season, but from what we've been seeing in the, in the bubble right now, like that, that hardly feel, they hardly feel like upsets, but I agree with you. I think one of those, one of those top seeds are going down. So what's your official prediction on this one? We might be back on Saturday uh, Monday for a guest, another guest to preview here, but if things aren't going until Tuesday, but what do you, what's get you on the record now? I'm going to say five. I think like you said, Embiid wins one game, maybe game two, maybe game three. Um, but that's it. That's right. it. You know, I, I, you know, you, 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 you said that the, uh, you think the shooters, the Philly shooters will get hot for one game and steal a second. I just don't see that coming. I think it's possible that the hot shooting is the same game that, that Embiid is, 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 is his best self. Mm-hmm. And, 
and that's a wrap after that. So I'll say Celtics in five. And do you like all chalk for the uh, first round least? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, we'll see what happens with Miami and Indiana. And maybe that's a bit of a toss up, even though, you know, I, I, my money would be on Miami guns in my head. So yeah, I think that that we'll see the four best teams in the, in the second round, which is nice. Upsets are nice, but in a situation like the East where clearly there is a hierarchy, um, it'd be good to see those four, te- those four teams go at it. It's going to be fun. It's going to start hopefully on Monday, maybe Tuesday for the Celtics though, um, with a little preview of the play in this weekend as well uh, to tide us over. But we should be back. Uh, we'll be back on Monday if, uh, if the series has not started yet. But if it has, then we'll be back with some post-game reaction on Tuesday as well. So stay tuned for that at the Winning Place Pod. Hit us up at Winning Place Pod on Twitter. At Brian T. Rob, um, at Rich underscore Levine, and we'll have plenty of uh, written words on this series at bossportsjournal.com. So check that out as well. Until next week.